Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures. And it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support CanadaLand. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a CanadaLand supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. comes with a 20-year warranty. And a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. Shannon Van Rays. Good morning. Freelance multimedia journalist, most recently reporting out of Winnipeg for the Globe and Mail on the COVID pandemic. Welcome to Shortcuts for the first time. Thanks for having me. Today, Shannon, we're going to talk about the alternate universe where Trump won, but George Soros's Canadian voting machine company stole it from him while the media distracted everybody with fake news about COVID overwhelming the hospitals. Yes, it is an alternate universe, but a whole lot of people live there. We're also going to talk, uh, while we're on the subject of alternate realities, about a world where a podcast about the police is filled with good stories about the cops. Who would make such a show? Well, the police, of course. Branded content is the nice way to put it, but I prefer copaganda. Once again, good to have you here. This episode is brought to you by Shayin Ald, Marcus Kernahan, Alicia Ross Litowski, Robin Cameron, Kimberly Newton, Wynn Redderberg, Atia Khan, and John. Uh, my name is John, and I'm a teacher in Kitchener, and I support Canada Land because even though I know infotainment is kind of an icky word, 
channel and gives me news, but it also makes me laugh. Shannon, I think that in order to set the stage for some of the stories we're going to talk about in a moment, like before we even get into this whole thing of, of criticizing media stories, like we have to just recognize the basics about where we are all at right now, which is to say, like, this is the worst. Like, this is the worst, the worst yet, anyhow, can always get worse still, but like, it's fucking grim right now. And being in Manitoba, it feels extra grim at the moment. Uh, there's not a lot of good news coming out of our province. And I was hoping that Manitoba sort of turned the corner and catch up with the good that was happening, say, you know, in the Atlantic bubble. And instead, we're going in the wrong direction. And I think the other provinces are racing to catch up. So I would love good news, but we definitely haven't had any for a while. And it's grim in Manitoba and it's grim in Alberta. And then the, the bubble burst in the East Coast and the numbers are terrible all over. But even to like the numbers are just one way of measuring it. Like before most people, when they wake up in the morning, even get to that side of things, it's just grim in our lot. Like we're heading into this winter. At the beginning of this, it was grim, but we were feeling really vulnerable and scared. And that kind of made us soft towards each other. And we're not feeling that way. Like it's, I don't know what it is. It's just something that feels like. The love is gone. Yeah. Tis the season of our discontent and it is the season of, of like distance from each other more than ever with the, with the weather, which like just leads to, it's the season of dehumanization and it is the season of disinformation because like this was going on before the pandemic. If, if like the kind of problem of our age is that people were disappearing into their personal little information bubbles and not being human with each other and seeing that we are people and not like enemies. If that was a problem before this, like, add a pandemic and add the current political climate and make it like actually like illegal for us to get together and recognize each other face to face, you know? So much of the echo chamber that we were already living in has just been amplified. People are literally in Manitoba only allowed to socialize with their immediate family at this point. I don't know if that's going to affect our homicide rate or anything like that, but. Uh, yes, it will. Look, I want to, I want to, I want to say to everybody, I'm so sorry about your family. I'm so sorry uh, to each and every one of you. Look, if you can just get through this, you're doing fine. But wh where people are, they're not socializing their family. They're looking at their screens. And what they find there, I guess we're going to talk about a couple of ways that that could go really, really wrong. Let's start with your province. The shit is really hitting the fan in Manitoba. And and maybe you could take us through this, uh, this CBC story about this hospital and, and, and the, I guess, public backlash against that story and the citizen journalist debunking of that. Just tell me this thing. The story in Steinbeck, and to give you a little background about myself, I spent a lot of time covering rural communities in Manitoba. And one thing that surprised me uh, with the pandemic is how rural communities have found such a voice for conspiracy theorists. It seems to be a hotbed that I think in our guts we all knew might have been there. But it's surprising how vocal and successful they've been in getting that message out. So to go to Steinbeck, the situation there is not good. I was actually out in Steinbeck yesterday, and I've been there quite a few times over the last couple of weeks. The CBC story, and something I've covered as well, is about the hospital. It's been uh, really just inundated with COVID patients. And keep in mind, this is a small hospital. It's got you know 16,000 people, give or take, live in Steinbeck. It's an 84-bed hospital. Uh, and there's no ICU there, which creates all sorts of problems. And the story talks uh, about how how this has developed, with the strains. Uh, nurses have spoken out about the you know being overwhelmed, triaging 
patients uh, in front of the hospital, in the parking lot, and providing care in ambulance bays, which isn't normal. Um, that's not something that that generally happens. And unfortunately, uh, as no doubt you've seen, and I think you know, around sixty thousand people have now seen, judging by the uh, the Twitter account there, two people going into a hospital in Steinbach and uh, showing that to them it's empty. There's absolutely nobody in here. There's one person. There's no. It's empty. There's not even. There's one person sitting, signing in. Look at the parking lot. There's nobody. This is the overflowing packed hospital in Steinbach, guys. Wake up. I might look like a crazy person, but I'm fucking exposing the lies. And that is just so troubling. It's like a kick in the gut to see those videos. And that's because they're they're impactful and they they really undermine uh, a lot of what's going on there by not giving any context. And the first context you need to know is that visitation uh, is not allowed in hospitals in Manitoba right now. So when those individuals pull into the visitor's parking lot and it's empty, that's not a surprise. Visitors, you know, aren't allowed in the hospital. Uh, not just visitation. Uh, there's also no elective surgery right now going on there and very little diagnostic. So all the general hospital traffic you might have uh, that might be in that parking lot isn't there. Uh, and on top of that, at one point, uh, Bethesda Regional Health Center had 50% of nurses and about 35% of support staff off sick, uh, either awaiting COVID tests or because they had tested positive. Uh, doctors have also tested positive there. Even their chief of staff had to uh, quarantine because of an exposure. So they're really, in some ways, are empty because they have no staff, no diagnostics, no visitors. Um, so the empty parking lot in that video is pretty uh, self-explanatory once you have the background. Now, it's interesting, at the end of the video, they go into a second, what they claim is a parking lot. And it's actually an ambulance loop. It's not a parking lot at all. The other interesting thing about that video is that there, we don't know when it's shot. There's not a lot of information, but we do know it was posted online on November 21st. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is seven days after uh, the reported incidents. And in that interim, there was uh, a huge number of resources deployed to that hospital, it's specifically to create a second ER uh, just for COVID positive or potentially COVID positive patients. And that's not the, the waiting room that they enter. So while it looks very much like what's going on, this is an, an empty room, an empty hospital, what you're seeing is how something has been restructured to deal with COVID and also the, the fact that people just aren't being allowed in hospital unless there's a dire situation. So that video is problematic for a number of reasons. And unfortunately, when people see it, you know, critical thought isn't there. It just confirms the, the worst suspicions of some people. And it's hard to combat that. You read the original reporting and it really paints a picture. Our beds are full. So when people come in COVID positive and we don't have a bed, they're not allowed to offload into our waiting room um, because we can't just be sharing this now with the community. We have to be very responsible about where those patients sit and how they're cared for. So sometimes they wait hours in the ambulance bay because there's just no beds to offload them onto. And it paints the picture of a hospital where people are, are, are just like, like falling out of the windows uh, that is just completely under siege with COVID. And uh, that this, this one 
hospital is in this small community is this hub where everybody from surrounding communities with COVID are coming and it's just this, this sort of hell crisis. And then intrepid citizen journalists, I don't want to start with a sneer here. I think that the impulse where people say, I want to go check to see if what I read about in the news is true is a good impulse. I think people should, you know, like we, we, we should not take everything at face value. I think it's probably true that they went there with an agenda. Uh, you know, the, there, there was, a, I think, a, an expectation that they were going to debunk. And the videos, if you contrast them with the pa- picture that was painted in the reporting, it is alarming. They get out of their car, they go in, there's, there's an empty parking lot. There's just like the triage nurse is just sitting there behind glass. Nobody's in the waiting room. It looks peaceful and quiet. So what's going on here? We're being lied to. It just seems like night and day, doesn't it? It does. And that's what's so challenging. And that's why, I mean, any video, the veracity always has to be, you know, questioned. When was it shot? Why was it shot? Um, the the atrium that they walk through is on the exterior wall of the hospital. You could argue that they never actually enter the hospital in the video if you're familiar with Bethesda. Yeah. Um, I very much doubt most people are. Um, and I want to give credit to to the conspiracy theorists, if I can call them that, in that they're often written off as being, you know, nutters, uh, et cetera. There's a lot of disparaging comments. And I think it's a huge mistake to assume that these people are unintelligent or unmotivated because there there is a savvy that's there and they have a point they want to prove, whether it's based in reality or not. And they definitely have, in some cases, the means and the motivation to go and make their case. Now, is it truthful? No. Um, but is it effective? Probably. And I mean, I ask myself as a journalist where my responsibility begins and where it ends. Am I responsible to to work to undermine conspiracy theories? Or do I put out the facts and the observations and let that stand? I mean, what's so maddening with uh, the conspiracy theorists, and I should note that the woman in the video has been a participant at local rallies, uh, freedom rallies, anti-mass rallies. Yeah small group of people here. So you see the same people over and over again. Uh, and I mean, what's just so maddening is that rational thought, rational explanation isn't an anecdote to this. I mean, clearly there is a very intense uh, emotional need that is being filled by, filled by these theories. So how, to, how do you combat that? I don't have the answer. And that's something I think all journalists are confronting right now, because it's, it's just kind of a pressure cooker environment for these, these ideas that's really hard to address. Well, the, you know, the truth is just really boring. Uh, when, when you look at the, the, the Twitter feeds where people, and you know, the rebel was sharing this, just getting basic facts wrong. They're saying this was in, in Saskatchewan. And the CBC's journalist who was on this, Marina von Stockelberg, got into the thread and and just explained, like, if you are wondering why, you know, this is a good question. Why is the, why does it look so empty? Here are some answers to that yeah. question. Um, and, and the, you know, it's just a, a process. It's not really rocket science. It's like, that's a really good um, question for a journalist to ask. How come we've been told that it's so busy, but it looks so empty? Well, then you ask those questions. And unfortunately, you might get answers which essentially make the story fall apart. I mean, there is no story, like, because they're just rational, like, yeah, it's seven days later. Because of the news uh, attention, we dealt with this. Uh, <laughs> there was a huge problem here that kind of got dealt with. Also, I don't know why you would keep a waiting room filled with COVID patients. Like, you would try to keep them out of the waiting room 
you know, if you could. So anyhow, there's just like many, many reasons that could explain that if you are curious to get an answer. But I don't, you know, that response in the thread was like only shared or responded to a handful of times. The actual misleading video was, was shared many thousands and thousands of times. And it's it's part of a of a master narrative too because it's not just this uh, about like I, there's a distrust thing too like if if you believe that the media has just been conjuring this up and lying to you you know Shannon then you're not a real person who's on my side if you're like in league with I guess the nurses and doctors who for some reason want to lie to me too like I don't want to hear you explain what actually happened because I don't trust you it's true it's very hard to um, once that trust is lost if it was ever there to get it back. And there's been a lot of personal attacks following those stories. I mean, for all the stories I've done related to COVID, I never had, uh, you know, threats or had to block people until I wrote about Steinbeck. Um, so trying to, to reason uh, and to lay out the facts. And many journalists have asked those questions, and I'm not sure our provincial health, health officials have been, you know, firm enough in refuting some of those things. But yeah, that, that trust is just not there. It's very hard to push back against this because any pushback just feeds into the narrative. And it's strangely like hand in hand with another narrative, which is that the media is lying to us and hiding from us the Canadian angle to what's going on with the American election. A lot of people believe this. Yes. And how could it be true that the biggest story in Canada, there's this massive Canadian angle to a contested U.S. election, one of the biggest news stories in the world, the president is tweeting about Canadian election machines, and you will hardly see any coverage of it in the Canadian media. And the people who are asking that question, why is everybody in the media conspiring to keep this from me? I have all these alternate media sources that are telling me a million things about Dominion voting in Canada, but I'm not reading about it in the Canadian press. They are right that the Canadian media has basically, whether it's an official conspiracy or just everybody kind of falling in line, the decision editorially has been, we're not covering that. And the reason we're not covering that is because it's it's totally unfounded bullshit. But if you believe that that is a thing, it just makes itself true. The fact that it's not being covered feeds into it. I'm going to take people through this a little bit, if I may. I think people know the bones of this, that Trump is contesting the results. And on November 12th, he tweeted that um, this foreign voting machine company, Dominion, deleted millions of votes that would have given him the presidency. And uh, it's this Canadian company, goes the theory. Uh, The next day, Breitbart, a reporter for Breitbart, tweeted out that uh, this Dominion voting company actually shares a floor in an office building with a Soros group. Of course, the Jewish billionaire... George Soros, often uh, the focus of, I think, pretty anti-Semitic attacks of that he is a leader of a globalist movement. Uh, It it is true that he is a very rich man who funds a lot of nonprofits and charities that are uh, progressive causes of various types, one of which is Tides US. So what this Breitbart reporter is referring to is Tides Canada, uh, which has since rebranded as Makeway. The next day, now that local reporter Joe Warmington of the Toronto Sun sees that the whole Trump media sphere conspiracy theory has a Canadian angle, he stakes out the building. Why is it sharing the floor with this group that is funded by George Soros? And so Warmington's on the story and he tweets that the lights were on late at night. Very suspicious. There were security cars, he wrote, on both sides of the building which boasts social workspaces and a green roof. 
hashtag election 2020. So that prompts uh, Kean Bexty of the Rebel News to show up uh, at the doors of this building. We've learned that they share not just an office building, but they share an office floor with Tides Canada. Now, Tides Canada is interested in meddling in politics within Canada and the United States. They will do whatever they can to stop any sort of resource development, even if it means getting involved in politics. It's a huge problem here in Canada and clearly in the United States. Full disclosure, Kean Bexty is currently suing me and Canada Land for defamation for uh, our previous commentary on him. Kean Bexty waits outside the building. He confronts somebody who he says is wearing a Dominion lanyard. We got one interaction with someone who actually works for Dominion Voting and they sort of scurried inside and I'm not sure how they got away from us when they came out because the sun is starting to set here now and we still haven't gotten any answers. They seem very scared. Why are they trying to hide, he asks, that they share a floor with tides? And he notes that the building directory, both of the organizations have had their placards removed. Dominion Voting and Tides Canada, they asked the landlords here to remove any physical mention of their name. They missed that call box, but they removed the signs. You can see it here. We got it all recorded. So he, he says it seems almost like an admission that something distasteful is going on. They're hiding the evidence that they shared this floor space. And Kim Bexley says this is direct evidence that they've worked together to cover up the fact that they work together in close proximity over a screenshot of, a, of a, some document showing George Soros funding uh, Tides U.S. Shannon, this then results in Trump's lawyer, Sidney Powell, at the time, his personal lawyer, one of them, Sidney Powell, who was shopping this whole the election was stolen from us narrative. Talking about some massive straight lines up in the vote tallies in the middle of the night after they've supposedly stopped counting. And that's when the Dominion operators went in and injected votes and changed the whole system. And it affects votes around the country, around the world, and all kinds of massive interests of globalist dictators, corporations, you name it. Everybody's against us except President Trump. She said Dominion are moving their offices overnight to different places. She states as fact. Their offices in Toronto were shared with one of the Soros entities. Tides Canada now being called a Soros entity, she said uh, at a press conference in New York. What can I tell you? The reason why Tides Canada didn't have its name on the building registry is because its office is not in that building. They moved last year. Another part of the truth is that the connection between Tides Canada and Tides US, which is funded in part by George Soros, is kind of tenuous. Uh, there's some level of funding that goes from Tides US to Tides Canada, which is now called Makeway. To call it a Soros entity is it's a kernel of truth somewhere there that some Soros money may have made its way to, to Makeway. Kean Bexty uh, regards the green wall. There's a living wall filled with plants. And it's like, this is a, a socialist incubator. If Kean Bexty had dug a little bit further, if Joe Warmington had dug a little bit further, they would have found that this conspiracy is even more nefarious because who else worked out of that building? I did. (laughs) (laughs) The first episode of Canada Land was recorded. That building is up the street from us. It's just like anything else. There's a garment district. 
you know, there's buildings that are medical buildings. This is a building where there's like subsidized rents for uh, progressive social justice nonprofits. And then, you know, some get subsidized and then other people are attracted by the fact that uh, that, that kind of organization is there. So they want to have their offices there too. Anything to do with democracy, startups, you know, civic tech. I worked out of there. So I'm implicated too, is what I'm trying to say. I'm part of the conspiracy. It doesn't seem particularly evil to me. I mean, I, I think as a student of history, I know some of the hallmarks, uh, indoor plants, probably not one. Um, but I mean, it's hard to know uh, when you're in the media and you're reporting on these things, how much oxygen to give uh, either debunking, refuting, investigating, or even confirming these kinds of of I don't want to call them reports, um, you know, postings. I think posting would be probably a better word. Um, it's, it's, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. If you cover and refute, you feed into the conspiracy theorists. It's like, see, look, they're trying to cover it up. They're trying to deny this. And if you don't talk about it, well, then you're also feeding into the conspiracy theorists because, see, you're ignoring it. You're, you're just burying it. And that's really the crux uh, of dealing with these sorts of things. When people see conspiracy in everyday objects, when someone sees a green wall as a sign of communism, how do you refute that? You hope that the truth is the bottom line. And, you know, Trump's lawyer, Sidney Powell, talked a big game. This election's been stolen. The Dominion voting machines flipped the votes. I'm going to release the kraken of evidence and the court challenges in every state where it seemed like that was even a possibility. And then the court dates came and they had bupkas. Like they had nothing. There was no evidence that this was a thing. And they were laughed out of court. And even Tucker Carlson on Fox News had to acknowledge that there's just nothing there to this. And, you know, a representative of Dominion Voting went on to Fox and it was this necessary exercise where the Fox anchor had to just go through this, like, have you subverted our democracy? No. Is it possible to subvert our democracy from your office in Toronto? No. It's gotten too bad even for Fox. And maybe reality is catching up with this thing where it's just kind of choose your own adventure, choose your own reality, believe whatever you want to believe. Who cares? Just like, you know, pick a lane and you'll have more than enough support within that echo chamber. Eventually you hope that there's some kind of a reckoning. Maybe we're there. I don't know. Maybe we can come back from this. I I am doubtful we will come back from this in the short term. I think this is a case of Frankenstein's monster. I mean, the, the movement that has come out of the election of the pandemic uh, around conspiracy theories has a life of its own. It's, you know, it's a living being and it is going to turn on its creator. Uh, where it goes from here, I don't know, but I don't think it's going to disappear. And that's what worries me as, as a human, as a Canadian, as a Manitoban, as a journalist. I just don't see this turning around. And even as outlets like Fox start to debunk certain things and, and a push, you know, have a push for, for reasonable information, uh, that's it's falling on deaf ears. It's just it's out there. And that genie is not going back in the bottle. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. 
And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool. doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer. And it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, It's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody Half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does Help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. Shannon, it's your first time with us. I welcome you to duly note something that you think uh, more people should know about. What do you got? I have a story uh, that comes out of the narwhal about uh, Baffinland iron mines. And it's something I wish had gotten more attention. Uh, the mine on Baffin Island is looking to double its production. And I know there's been a lot of talk about Nunavut right now in terms of COVID. And, and that's all very uh, important and serious. But I feel like this story has gotten missed, particularly because big picture, I mean, a lot of stories uh, about development resources uh, environment, I think, are getting pushed to the side right now just because of, you know, everything else. Uh, and this is one I think it deserves a revisiting. It could have, you know, a huge impact locally, but I think it also would set some precedence uh, in terms of development in the far north. So that's definitely a story I wish had gotten uh, a little more focus over the last while. Duly noted. I'd like to duly note a story about Jordan Peterson and the human act of, of shedding tears, crying. Um, <laughs> I thought that this at least was done, the Jordan Peterson moment. But um, Manisha Krishnan for Vice reported that staffers at Penguin Random House were not happy. The next 12 Rules for Life, the new book from Jordan Peterson, is going to be published by Penguin Random House. And they confronted their publisher. And some of them were very emotional about this. There was a town hall and staff cried and expressed dismay. You know, I think that that there is a legitimate um, line of thought that I've explored and written about in terms of Jordan Peterson's relationship to racist ideology and the way that his work has been leveraged and utilized towards that. So staff at Penguin Random House is saying, well, how can you publish this like guide? The fact that they cried was just ridiculed and mocked um, and, and, and was amazing free press for this upcoming book. On what universe is Penguin Random House not going to publish this book? 
I don't mean to minimize the concerns raised about this, but I don't know. I saw like Sasha Cole was like tweeting, like there are so many more worthy writers out there. They could be publishing. What are you pretending that Penguin Random House is like a book publisher? It's not a hunt for the next great author. There's like two books a year that make their year. And whatever reservations, like they're going to publish this. And it doesn't even matter if they didn't because somebody else would. And nobody should stop this book from being published. I mean, I wouldn't want to be the public. I mean, I guess I would want to make the millions of dollars they're going to make. But like someone's going to publish the book and make millions and millions of dollars. And it's going to be Penguin Random House or Simon & Schuster. I feel like this like dull inevitability, just these stories playing out in this predictable way. At a moment where I thought that after his like crippling benzo addiction and and meat diet like maybe this is not a person who we would be taking rules for life from at a minimum i i wish him health and all the best but the idea that this shtick would still work and it seems to be working still all i gotta say is and what i want to duly note is to the people who are mocking the penguin random house employees for crying over something like this did you not see the video where jordan peterson is in like scary crying tears over the lot of the individual? The production of individual suffering can and has and will be again rationalized and justified for its supposed benefits for the future and the group. It's all right to cry, people. It's all right to cry. Duly noted. So, Shannon, I assume that you've read the most recent issue of Canadian Police Chief magazine, yes? Uh, of course. Never miss it. It's the uh, the centerfold is really the thing for me. Um, <laughs> the <laughs> This exists, okay? First of all, magazines still exist. Um, the yep. Canadian Police Chief magazine, that also is something that um, that is a real thing. And in the fall and winter issue, it has been announced that the Toronto Police Services are partnering up with a podcasting company. Wow. Yikes. I just wish more people would start a podcast. And yeah. this is this is just what everybody needs. I found this really interesting. Listen to this. There was an article written by Deputy Chief Shauna Coxon. And in this piece, she announces that like previous social media attempts by the cops have not gone so well. Social media outreach, like their YouTube channel, TPS TV, it has actually backfired on them and it has actually undermined the public trust of police in some communities. And she concedes that people saw this as, quote, copaganda. So what do you do when your attempts to create police-made content are not taken as authentic, user-generated, social media, memeable content? Well, you turn to podcasting. And if you're turning to podcasting, you need to work with established podcasters, which is why I am announcing Canada Land's new series. I'm just kidding. Um <laughs> I, I will read to you from this article. It just gets more and more interesting. Here is what she writes. During the COVID-19 lockdown, the CEO of the podcast, the CEO of the podcast, okay, the CEO of the podcast, OB and Axe, Andrew OB O'Brien, the CEO and I, I, the deputy chief of police of communities and neighborhoods, began an ongoing conversation about how the Toronto Police Service could work with OB and Axe as a community partner. We both shared a passion for authentic engagement. This, they say, is the first model of podcast curation uh, for policing in Canada. It leverages an already existing successful podcast, top-level entrepreneurs, hosts, and their dynamic advisory board 
to optimize success. I mean, that's how you make a good podcast. Um, they continue. I'm going to end up reading the whole thing. I just, uh, every paragraph of this is so interesting. OB and Axe is an established podcast centered around honest conversations about diversity, inclusion, mental health, and entrepreneurship with global influential leaders, Andy O'Brien and his co-host Axel Villamil. Get it? O'Brien, OB, and Axel Axe, OB and Axe. They are highly successful entrepreneurs in the startup space who have built multiple new businesses from scratch. When developing their podcast, they partnered with a powerhouse advisory board, which includes members of from NASA, the United States Air Force, a previous president of PepsiCo, Michelle Romanoff from the Dragon's Den, along with other well-known entrepreneurs and entertainers. How could you not listen? After some initial discussions, I was interviewed on the podcast, she writes. This led to a formal community partnership between the Toronto Police Service and OB and Axe Incorporated. Other community partners now include the RCMP and the FBI. What the fuck is this? First of all, have you heard of OB and Axe? I, I have not, but I did take a peek and I, I see I am far more popular on social media than they are, which is a <laughs> commentary on both of us. You think the police might investigate the purported podcast <laughs> success of Obi and Axe? I think this is, I mean, all the adjectives in that story, it just sent chills down my spine. You know, there's red flags and then there are red flags. And I mean, it's so obvious. I'm not sure if that article is trying to convince themselves or convince the public. <laughs> I look forward to the backlash to this initiative because I, I feel it will be hilarious. Well, look, there, there certainly were a lot of words used to describe the popularity and legitimacy of Obi and Axe in the podcasting space. I don't know. I don't. I try to keep an eye on podcasting, but there are things going on that I don't know about. I, I've never heard of them before, but that doesn't mean anything. They could be a very big deal. They have 11 episodes. They have interviewed the drummer from Three Days Grace. Oh. You know, you need to have a certain number of reviews before your reviews show up on Apple Podcasts. They haven't gotten there yet. Their YouTube channel has 100 subscribers. But what do I know? They could be big on Twitch. It's possible. In another universe, another time or place. Um, I mean, it's interesting looking, just taking a cursory look at their presence. It does seem like they do work with companies and people who may want to appear grassroots and, you know, rehabilitate certain parts of their image. So, you know, if they found this as a business model, you know, I'm a little jealous. Maybe there's a there's a well to tap here. I mean, it's an old hustle. Like you can get into, you know, I remember before with blogging, you know, you can fool older people that you are a digital expert. So, you know, you, there's this website, we're a podcasting firm. We have crazy legitimacy in the space. Come work with us. And yeah, so they have a, a branded podcast deal with Toronto Police Services, but I, I guess they are now in business with the RCMP and the FBI as well. Let's listen to a little Obi and Axe. Sure. So here we see uh, Obi, and he's uh, he's chilling in, in this YouTube video. He's got like a spider web um, elbow tattoo, cool five o'clock uh, shadow, but he's wearing a Toronto Police Services cap. And it's just like a, a cool laid back, legitimate, genuine conversation with a member of the RCMP and a member of the Toronto Police Force about how they deal with mental health. I don't think there's ever going to be a day where, you know, the police aren't going to be involved to assess that situation because it, you know, I, I don't have to tell you both, you know, it doesn't take long for something to get out of hand or somebody to be unpredictable really, really quickly um, and escalate and, um, what's your take on that? Do you, do you see, am I, am I crazy there? Or is there, 
do I have a, a bit of a point there in terms of, is this ever going to be something the police isn't going to be involved with? I actually think there's fantastic models that exist right now that don't involve the police. <laughs> <laughs> so Obi, Obi's like, hey, you, you can say what you want about defunding the police. I can't imagine a world where the cops aren't involved in mental health calls because those situations can escalate quickly and uh, those people can get violent. Can you imagine, officer, um, ever? Uh, officer who's paying me, whose hat I'm wearing, can you ever imagine a universe where cops aren't called to deal with mental health problems? And the cop says, yeah, that that already happens and it works really well. Yikes, that's all I can say about that. This is what I want to say about this. Everybody is pointing the finger at that this or that being fake news. But like when you make something like that, when the police use their money to make something like that, does it ever occur to them that they're making fake news? What is that but fake news? Yeah, I mean, I would also argue that they're not using their money. They're using our money uh, to make those podcasts. And it's part of the problem. I mean, so many people on all sides of every spectrum brand themselves as journalists or news to try and really sway public opinion, whether or not they're effective. And this this is going to be part of that problem. And uh, I, I don't think that's something that's that either the podcaster here or or the police have considered. Well, I don't know. I mean, the point is to, like the point is to deceive people. Like it's it's done amateurishly, but the point is to uh, get the vibe of a conversational hanging out with Obi and the Axe man, uh, chilling. You know, last last week was a drummer from Three Days Grace. This week it just happens to be a couple of cops. It's not even as if like. I would ask of a newspaper, where's your disclosure? Like this, this exists to be sold out. This exists to be co-opted and, and to manipulate people. It's not like, I think that this is like the most insidious, deceptive thing out there, but at a certain point, there's just so much of this in the system floating around from various special interests that like so much more resource goes into the production of this shit than, you know, what we do. And there is a point at which that kind of matters. For sure. And I mean, if this kind of effort was put into actually changing policing rather than trying to change the perception of policing, I think we would see real change and, uh, you know, a different kind of discussion. But this, I mean, it's, it's, it is easy to make fun of uh, this particular uh, avenue, but it's also serious. I mean, this is not good for Canadian journalism. It's not good for for people who interact with police. And ultimately, I don't think it's going to be very good for police either. I agree. I, I think it's just like, it loops back to the first thing we're talking about. It's, it's just the distrust, the dissociation, just like people like, I don't fucking believe anything anymore. It just contributes to this idea that everybody's lying to you. It does. And in some ways, everyone is trying to, there's such intense pressure from private entities, public entities, news entities, uh, organizational entities to get, you know, backers uh, in the domain, you know, the wrestling ring of social media, the internet, um, and traditional, you know, forms of media as well. And it's hard. It's really hard to get that under control. And I don't think we will. I mean, I think that we will see more of this going forward. And we're a long, long, long ways from turning the corner on, you know, professionalism uh, in these corners of the internet again. That's your Canada Land Shortcuts. Shannon, thank you for joining me uh, this week. Thanks so much. Listen, everybody can email me at jesse at canadalandshow.com. I read everything you send. We're on Twitter at Canada Land. Shannon, where can people find you? 
Uh, people can find me on Twitter at Shannon Van Rays. Our website is canadaland.com, where you will find a different podcast about policing. The current season of Commons focuses on the dark pages of uh, Canadian policing and a new episode about Starlight Tours, a way in which Canadian police have murdered Indigenous people and gotten away with it. Um, stories about that on this week's Commons episode. This episode of Shortcuts is produced by Tiffany Lamb. Additional production by Rosalind Kufour and Kate McIntosh. Our managing editor is Andrea Schmidt. Our theme music is by So Called. Syndication is by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. Visit them online at cfuv.ca. If you like what we do and you want to receive ad-free versions of our podcasts, please support us at canadaland.com slash join. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada Land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada Land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada Land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.